This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans. Welcome in to Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday evening. The weather's a little chilly, but it's looking good. Headed toward a big weekend of racing, and we'll talk about it coming up. Two great interviews tonight as well, including another first-time guest for this week. Another can't believe they're a first-timer. All that coming up and more, but first, here's a look at what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Big weekend down in Nashville, Tennessee with the North-South Super Late Model Challenge, the Jenks CRA All-Stars Tour, and of course the Arkham Menards East Series all in action at Nashville Fairground Speedway. The night started with the Jenks CRA All-Stars Tour where Cody Coughlin finally got back to victory lane in the Jenks Tour as he picked up the 100-lap win over some of the Nashville regulars who were there competing. And then it was on to the North-South Super Late Model Challenge. This was the tri-sanctioned event between the ARCA CRA Super Series, the Southern Super Series, and the Cars Tour. Carson Quapel set fast time and redrew the number one pin, so he actually got to start on the pole. Rich, he led every single lap in route to a dominating performance, and then that set the tone for the rest of the night. You want to talk about dominating, this kid in the Arkham Menards East is gonna go somewhere. Sammy Smith started outside pole alongside Mason Mingus, but he beat Mingus to the start-finish line, so he had to make a pass-through penalty down pit road just three laps into the race before the halfway mark. At lap 98, Sammy Smith retakes the lead and holds on for the next 102 laps in route to his second win of the season in the Arkham Menards East Series. What a great dominating performance and really a lot of fun to watch him drive through the field virtually twice in route to that win. And oh, let's not forget some other guys raced over the weekend at an exciting weekend of racing at Darlington that saw Martin Truex Jr. go to victory lane and also an exciting NASCAR Camping World Truck Series event. Sheldon Creed picks up the win. But how about that kid, Carson Hosevar, getting a podium finish on the weekend? And those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from the socially distanced uh, studio. Not going to have to say that too much longer, but uh, Rich, I want to start before we get into our script. How about Carson Hosevar over the weekend? Boy, that was pretty impressive. I think he's figuring this truck thing out, you know, uh, Especially there, that's that's not where I would have guessed though. I, I would not have guessed that he would have had a had his top finish, uh, top three finish uh, there at Rockingham. But uh, but you know, uh, he he's better than we think. You know, uh, 
Well, the, the, he's, he's really good at the short tracks. The thing about Darlington is compared Darlington, to yeah. compared to some of the tracks that he's won on in late model racing, Salem Speedway, he did really good there. At Salem just came up a little bit short on the uh, on the setup there. Winch, uh, 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 Winchester, man, think about high banks and a track with a lot of character, and then of course Red Bud, a little bit smaller at Anderson Speedway, but a track with a lot of character and a lot of speed. I wonder if any of that played into his hand there at Darlington. Maybe I remember last year. Remember when he went down to Bristol and he ran so well and just had a you know kind of you know kind of got bent the fenders up a little bit and but he was very very fast. So I expect him to be fast on the short tracks. I didn't know he would adapt to the larger tracks so quick. Um, I think uh, you know in his first full season, uh, I think he's coming along very nice. Yeah. By the way, uh, only two finishes outside of the top 15 so far this season for Carson Hosevar. So really a good consistent season as he continues to lead in the rookie of the year standings. You mentioned short tracks, Rich French. You had another fun weekend uh, behind the microphone. Yeah, I did, Zach. You, you, while you were down in Nashville, uh, we kind of lost everything here on Friday with Mother Nature. I think the only one that got to race on Friday in the whole state of Michigan was Winston. Um, pretty much everybody else got rained out. But then it went on to Saturday, and it seemed like everybody was able to race. And it was a day of firsts uh, at the Flat Rock Speedway on Saturday afternoon. 2014 Outlaw Late Model Champion Steve Cronenwet Jr. picked up his first feature win. In five years after dominating the Moran Chevrolet Outlaw Super Late Model feature, Zach, 11 of the 16 cars qualified in the 11-second bracket at Flat Rock Speedway wow. on Saturday. Uh, and so much so that the green-white checkered 50-lap feature event was completed in track record time, Zach, 10 minutes and 20 seconds for 50 laps. Wow. That is very, very fast on a, on a little quarter mile. Uh, Connor Zabosian, Paul Pelletier, Harold Fair Jr., and Justin Schroeder would complete the top five. Then it was uh, James Pankow picking up his first ever street stock A-Main feature win. Uh, Pankow would start from the pole and lead all 25 laps while holding off the challenges of Jeff Metapedigan and Greg Stute. Uh, the B-Main went to Caleb Barron, and to close out the afternoon, uh, multi-time track champion Billy Early picked up the 20-lap the feature win for his first win of 2021 in the ARCA Figure 8 division. Now, Zach, Flat Rock Speedway roars back to action this Saturday, May 15th. It's Kids Day. All kids age 12 and under will be admitted free. They also get a free hot dog and a soft drink or a water, courtesy of Pepsi and Schwebel's Bakery. Uh, parents can get the kids' tickets at the ticket window on race day. Uh, the Vault 250-lap two, uh Enduro event hits the track for the first time uh, for their of their four events in 2021 uh, with the Arca Figure Eights going retro night. Now, Zach, retro night, four car dashes, uh, pursuits. Oh, and they run their heat races and dashes on the oval, uh, and they'll run the feature on the Figure Eight. So a little bit different for them. That's the way they used to do it at the Flat Rock Speedway. That'll be exciting. Yeah, yeah, a little bit different. And then the ARCA DTS drivetrain specialist street stocks will also be in action. The Bandoleros will make their first appearance as well this Saturday at Flat Rock. The box office uh, and the front gates open at 2 with racing at 4 once again. And uh, still there is no advanced ticket sales 
at the Flat Rock Speedway for well, this event. Well, some other great racing uh, managed to be held up here in Michigan last weekend. Jamie Grokowski uh, and Bill Bray led a full field of dirt car UMP late models to the green flag Friday night at Winston Speedway. Bray jumped out to the early lead but was quickly brought under fire by Brandon Thurlby and Greg Gokey in the early stages of the race. Bray was committed to using the outside groove of the speedway while Thurlby worked to try and bring in the bottom. As Bray stretched out his lead, Thurlby and Goki began battling hard for the second spot, allowing uh, third-place runner Eric Spangler to close the gap. As the field worked into the back markers of the field, the first caution flag flew when Ronnie Smith spun in turn number two. The restart proved to be no challenge for Bray, who picked up right where he left off. That was until the halfway mark when Goki challenged for the lead. Bray and Goki made contact on the next rotation at the flag stand, allowing Thurlby and Spangler to race up to the lead duo. A pair of quick cautions would fly, scrambling the front few cars. On the second of those restarts, Goki got into the wall in turn two and could not recover, handing over second spot to Spangler, who wasted no time going on the offensive with Bray. Spangler used the inside line in turns three and four to slide up in front of Bray for the lead and never looked back en route to his second Winston Speedway win of the season. Cody Bauer worked his way up to second as Bray fell to third, Thurlby and Donamar Coulier rounded out the top five. And as for Eric Spangler, Rich, we'll get a chance to talk to that driver coming up later on in the program. Yeah, really looking forward to that, Zach. And uh, also, to piggyback on first uh, tonight, the first for the first time in the 2021 season, the Napa Outlaw Super Late Models would take to the 3 eighths mile of Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. The, the field was stacked with elite names from the Outlaw Wars. Austin Theo and former champion Joey Barnhart would pace the field in the early laps, uh, but the crescendo of the race was a three-car battle between Matt Frazier, defending track champion Jeff Gannis, and two-time Jag Sierra All-Stars Tour champion Dan Leak. The trio would be within striking distance of each other in the closing laps, but it would be Frazier hanging on at the conclusion. Leak hung on for second over Gannis, Thiel, and Andrew Brest. Thiel and Barnhart would take the heat, heat race wins, while uh, Leak set the mark in qualifying with a 14.956 lap. A great field of cars there at Springport. You know, e even with some other events going on, it's exciting to see that they're still grabbing some outlaw cars when there's a couple of conflicts, and, and we'll talk about one of those conflicts coming up. Back to the dirt, and now racing on Saturday. Donamar Coulier came from the 10th starting spot. That's right, the 10th starting spot, and only needed one caution flag to find victory lane Saturday night at Thunderbird Raceway. Eric Spangler and Mike Vandermark Jr. led the field to the green flag for the 25-lap main event. Spangler jumped out to the early lead, looking to go back-to-back, -back, putting a sizable distance between himself and Vandermark. A stout field followed him that included Logan Nickerson, Brandon Thurlby, and Mark Coulier. The caution flag flew near the halfway point of the race when Kyle Borgman got into the turn one wall just ahead of the leaders. On the restart, Mark Coulier lined up on the inside of Vandermark in the Delaware-style double-file restart. By the flag stand, Mark Coulier had edged ahead of leader Spangler and completed the pass going into turn one. That lead, however, was short-lived as Spangler led a three-wide charge to the line off turn four with Nickerson on his inside and Mark Coulier on the outside. Spangler held the lead again through turns one and two, but Mark Coulier fired another slide job into turn three, the winning move for the Houghton Lake native. Mark Coulier held on for the win, his second of 2021, while Thurlby raced his way up to second. Nickerson rounded out the podium with Greg Goki taking his Scott and Pam Phillip Motorsports number 50 to fourth place, and Spangler slid back into fifth. Well, Zach, uh, the Lucas Oil American Sprint Car Series regulars uh, dominated the field Saturday night at I-96 Speedway during the one and only night of racing 
for the ASCS uh, versus the GLSS Sprint Wars, uh, losing the Friday night portion of the show to what fr- track officials called a, a passing rain shower, oversaturating the grounds. Uh, the event was reduced to one day. Uh, at the end of 30 laps, Glenpool, Oklahoma's Matt Covington picked up the win ahead of Blake Hahn and Dylan Westbrook. Zane DeVault was the highest finishing local driver in fourth with Max Stambaugh, who transferred from the B-Main, and Danny Sams third, having to round out the top 10 as the next highest finishing regulars. A tough night for uh, three of the GLSS regulars with Phil Gressman and Keith Sheffer racking up DNFs and Jared Horseman with a nasty flip off of turn number one, just four laps into the race. Uh, during the non-wing boss versus GLTS portion of the show, Zach, California native Thomas Meserol picked up a convincing win over Dustin Daggett. Timez crossed the line nearly three seconds before Daggett. Stevie Irwin finished third with Luke Hall and Keith Sheffer Jr. rounding out the top five. Now, Zach, I got to ask you, um, I was watching this. Uh, I was able to catch this on Saturday night. Um, it seemed like the non-wing guys were able to hang reasonably well if Timez didn't show up. They, they, <laughs> they, they actually performed pretty well. But, uh, but, but the GLSS guys were kind of um, um, not ready or, or just did not have a good night uh, versus the Lucas Oil guys. Yeah, no, it sounds like that they uh, did not have a good night. I, did not, I was not able to watch this, unfortunately, due to commitments at Nashville. But um, here's what I can tell you. Look back at 2019, the GLSS guys had no problem hanging with the uh, Lucas Oil ASCS guys. So either Lucas Oil ASCS got better, maybe this track condition suited them more, um, or, you know, Mother Nature has a has a cruel way of just being unkind to you sometimes. So I'm wondering if that's just the way it went. Well, I can tell you, uh, you know, you know, watching it on Flow Racing, uh, grip on the bottom, grip on the top, slick in the middle. They said that was the perfect combination for a good race. And it really gave you had multiple options to go uh, bottom or top. And, uh, you know, Covington did a heck of a job. He was real strong throughout the whole race. They weren't going to catch him. I would like to, uh, I would love to have been able to talk to Max Stambaugh to see what happened with his Nefco racing machine because uh, to go from the last chance qualifier to 10th or 9th, actually, in his case, it's a pretty good run, especially considering the field he had to race against. What happened to put him in a last chance qualifier? And if he did not have to run that, do you think he would have had a shot to win? Those are all questions that we'll have to, uh, you know, save for another day. Ryan Rule also had to make it into the last chance qualifier. So all of the top got most of the top guys uh, did have to get into the last chance race was very surprising to me. Yeah. And of course, to have the defending champion, Jared Horseman flip off of turn one early in the race. Uh, you know, they said that that was just a product of sprint car racing. The downforce left that car as he entered turn one and he couldn't get it to turn and smoked the outside wall and then flipped wildly off the racetrack. One of those situations, you know, that that very same accident sent Chase Ridenauer to the hospital a couple of years ago, so glad Jared was okay. Jared, that car came to stop 100 yards past turn one. That's how far he went. Unreal. He went a long way. (laughs) Well, let's talk about some other racing. Uh, No flips, but a wild night nonetheless as unseasonably cool temperatures greeted everyone attending the inaugural race of the Reveal the Hammer Outlaw Super Late Model Series at New Paris Speedway Saturday night. Tyler Rorig set fast time for the 17-car field with a 13.239, earning him, this is like, this is how it works for him, set fast time, start mid-pack, 12th, 12th is where Tyler Rorig would roll off for the 100-lap feature. 
Doug True and Rick Hahn Sr. led the field to the green flag, with True jumping out to the early lead, but a lap one caution for Hahn, spinning in turn four, forced a complete restart, and set the theme for the race as eventually, Rich, 16 caution flags would fly throughout the event. Now let's fast forward. By lap 14, Adam Terry's number four went up in smoke as Rorig made his way to third. It didn't take long for Tyler to make his move. He captured the lead on lap 16th. Now fast forward again. Tyler able to hold off challenges from anyone, including his father, J.R. Rorig, to hold down the top spot. And this rang true throughout the race until lap 78, when JR was able to wrestle the position away from Tyler and take the lead. Caution flag once again on lap 84, tightened the field up, and JR easily grabbed the lead on the restart. It was just six, seven laps later on lap 91 when Tyler's car slowed on the backstretch, bringing out yet another caution, ending the Plymouth, Indiana driver's night. Then on lap 92, JR on the outside row, Sean Amore on the, uh, I should say JR on the inside, Sean Amore on the outside, and the two cars leading the field make contact, coming out of four, something you never want to see, sending a more sideways down the front stretch. JR bounces across the figure eight track in the infield. He'll come back onto the speedway in turn number two. The mad scramble behind the leaders, well, it allowed Steve Needles to come out on top, leading Amore and Jack Landis. Now, Landis was able to get under Sean Amore's injured number six to claim the second spot while Amore hung on for third, and Steve Needles went on to collect the win. Kenny Whitman and Rick Hahn Sr. completed the top five, and Horsepower Happenings correspondent Ed Inlows is moving up in the world, Rich. He figured out his technology, and he was able to catch up with Landis following the race. Standing here with Jack Landis, second place finish. A little bit of a surprising finish there, as uh, that was the wildest last 10 laps I've seen in a while. I'm telling you, it was crazy. Yeah, that's why you just stay out there and keep your nose clean. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, how did it look from your view there? What did you see? Well, I, I'd see everyone was struggling getting by us on the restarts. The, the Actually, the guy coming off of four on the high side would have an advantage. You know, it was hard to, for the guy on the bottom to hook it up. Right. In the last two wrecks I seen, the guys on the bottom just got loose and the back end would swing around and hit the guy on the outside because they're so close anyhow. And then, well, you've seen one couple of them went through the infield I made you know a couple made out a couple positions so you know sometimes you're it's good you're not out there and sometimes you need to be out yeah, there sometimes you're the windshield yeah. sometimes yeah, you're the, the bug, bug right, right. <laughs> well the way you were able to keep up with the roarings it looked like pretty good there mid-race or so were you holding back a not little that, no no that no. was I mean I was just running a, a steady pace I wasn't holding back and, and uh, I didn't feel as though if I pushed it that much harder, it would just get me a little closer to him. I didn't think I'd get around him. So I wanted to try to save as much as I could. Like racing in the cold like this? I was glad to get it started because I was cold. I had the best seat in the house, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. <laughs> you were a lot warmer. Yeah, a lot just warmer. standing next to you, I'm feeling a little warmer right now, man. I tell you, it's a, yeah, but it was a good race, though. Second place, you plan on following all these races for the Reveal the Hammer? No, I won't do all of them. Uh, uh, you know, 56 years old. I'd love to go down to Anderson, but I'd love to be 30 again to do it, So, and I'm not. So we're just going to do the ones that, you know, we can run good at, and the ones that are kind of closer to home, and, you know, and then also race around a little bit more here around, uh, around home. So good seeing you, Jack. You too. And it sounded like Ed had a nice time with uh, Jack Landis, but now we got the winner of that feature event uh, on Saturday night. Uh, you know, besides winning everywhere in his career, he's the defending champion of the Glass City 200. And he picked up a big win on Saturday at the Spring Sizzler at New Paris, 
which was also the inaugural event for the Real Reveal the Hammer Outlaw Super Late Model Series, makes his home in St. Joseph, Michigan. Steve Needles, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Man, first of all, Steve, uh, it's got to feel good to know that uh, early here in 2021, you've had a pretty good car right out of the gate. You had a very strong car at the Intimidator, and then you followed yep. up uh, with a win this weekend at New Paris. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's always nice to come out of the gate, you know, swinging, so to speak. So, um, yeah, no, we had a better car than what we showed at Kalamazoo. Um, we had some issues kind of that that took us out of contention for the win there later on in the race, but we were still competitive. But, uh, you know, New Paris, we've never really had any, any luck there. We've never run well there. Um, you know, maybe once I, I feel like I've had a car capable of winning up over there. And, um, you know, from the time we were on the track for the first time, this time I don't think we had a car capable of winning. So, um, pretty happy with that. Pretty happy with the way things have been rolling so far. And, uh, hopefully we can continue to, to carry that momentum. Now, I'm going to remind you of our last conversation when we talked last fall after the Glass City 200 win. Uh, we talked about your interest in winning at New Paris, and then your comment was, quote, to be honest, we've never run worth a darn there. Um, does this give you a little more confidence? Even though you had a little help kind of late in the race, uh, you had to put yourself in position to win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, right right from the time we unloaded and, and made our first laps, I felt like we had a like I said, a car capable of winning, um, or at least, you know, a car capable of finishing the top three, which is more than I can say most any other time I've been there. So, um, you know, that was good. And then, you know, that was validated throughout our qualifying effort. You know, we were just short a quick time, uh, to Tyler, who is, who is the King over there. So, um, that validated a little bit more. And then, you know, early on in the race, we drove from deep in the field where we started i think we were supposed to start 14th but a couple of cars dropped out before we started so um you know to run up to second in the first you know 20 25 laps of the race um was further validation that we had a car that was really capable of of running well there so um it felt really good um you know we had some uh adversity i guess throughout the race that kind of set us back and and had to come from the back i guess twice and um, caught a couple of breaks at the end, you know, I had to stick with it and, and, you know, that paid off, but yeah, no, it was, it was good to finally feel like we had something that was, that was capable of running well there. You know, we talked to you after your glass city win and, uh, we talked about how in the car you hear everything and you think that things just going to come apart on you knowing that you have such bad luck at new Paris and everything that led up to this, I have to imagine you're still in the cockpit going, okay, what's the next hairball thing going to come and hit me out of, uh, to take me out of this one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, there's some truth to that too. And, you know, Toledo and new Paris couldn't be any farther apart as far as, you know, racetrack in, in racing style, you know, they're so different. One's like racing at Daytona and the other one's like racing at Martinsville, I guess. But, it um they're they're so different but yet they're so similar in the fact that things happen quickly um you really got to be on top of your game but um yeah you're always just kind of waiting for that ball to drop you know and at new paris it's more or less you know when are you going to get caught up in in a melee or you know when are you going to make a mistake and run into somebody on accident because you misjudged your corner entry or something you know it's a little different you know you just have so much less room for error because it's so tight and it's so small and everybody's so close together and bunched up and it's dark. You, you know, the lighting isn't very good there. So it's kind of hard to see at times. And 
it's just really tough and and you know it yeah, it felt pretty good to get a win. What is it? I have a, I have so many questions for you about this track, and I'm going to try and compile them into one. Opening lap, caution, sets the precedent for the race. 16 cautions, <laughs> according to Ed Inlows, our reporter that was there. What is that doing to you as a driver, part one? And part two, what is it about that track that leads to this type of racing? Is it because it's so dark? Yeah, I think some of it's that. I think another part of it is the track is is pretty one-dimensional at times uh i guess, i mean it, it's a one groove racetrack at times they did do a pretty decent job of uh trying to create a second groove this time by putting some uh, some sort of traction compound in the second groove which certainly helped and the first i'd say half of the race the outside groove was actually really good uh, that's where we made up a lot of ground but later on in the race i don't know if it wore off or if the cold weather because it was really cold I don't know if the dew set in and it, and it slicked off, but it just seemed like from about halfway on that outside groove wasn't, wasn't what it was. And you, you really had a hard time making up ground there and, you know, and then it's so narrow and it's so tight and you're going pretty fast really. So it's really easy to drive in on somebody and, and, you know, tack their bumper or something and, you know, turn somebody around. So I think it's just the, the, the way that the racetrack is just being small and tight and, a little bit rough and to be honest with you i felt like it was a lot more than 16 cautions it felt like a million cautions but it was a it was a long race and it's not unusual you you know you've had you've had success at some small tight racetracks you've had success at flat rock which you probably cannot confuse with new paris <laughs> no they're they're pretty far apart they're they're way different flat rock it's pretty easy to run two three ride at a place like flat rock and and not run into each other and um, you, you got a good two to three racing grooves there where that's not the case at, at New Paris. You're all fighting for the bottom for the most part. Now, when we talked to you last year, you know, you, we, we asked you kind of to kind of analyze your career and what's next. Um, and you mm-hmm. said, and, and you're the one that brought up the summer sizzler. Um, you got your chance this year and you got a win there. How does that make you feel going into that event? It's certainly a confidence booster because I feel like we could be better yet. You know, I didn't feel like we were at our best this week and, and we were still able to, you know, pull out a win. Uh, I learned a lot this time there. You know, it's it was kind of hard the times before because I only win about once every other two years or so. You know, I'd go and, and we wouldn't run very good, so I'd say I'm not going back. And then about two years later, we decided to go back. So we never really got in a in a groove there. And, um it was good to to go there early in the year and kind of give a little bit of a confidence boost. And now I know what to expect a little bit later in the year and we can build upon that and hopefully uh, improve our performance, you know, even farther than what we did this week. And to our race fans listening and our race car drivers already know this and our uh, crew members who listen already know this, but to the race fan who's listening, all it'll take is one good, well, one bad night at new Paris and Steve will say, all right, that's it. We're not going back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to race now, so I don't have to go back. No, oh, there you go. <laughs> I, was talking, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and, you know, Randy Sweet had a had a saying. It went something along the lines of, um, you know, I what did he say? You win there. You you go there until you win. I forget how he said it. You go. I went there until I won. And luckily, I won the first time I went, so I never had to go back. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, uh, but, let, let, no, I, it's really, 
they're, they're, I, I don't want to say anything bad about the racetrack because it's really not a bad racetrack. It's actually a pretty fun little racetrack once you get the groove of it. And, um, it, it has a little bit of a reputation to be a little bit rough, but, you know, it's not the only one. Well, and sure, it's it's probably a product of the way it was designed, and uh, the fans, I'm guessing, are eating it up and loving it. So let's talk about... Oh, the fans there are great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's talk about this Reveal the Hammer schedule, because not to be lost in the race is the fact that that was the inaugural event for Reveal the Hammer. Now, win, lose, or draw, you go down in the history books as the first winner with that series. How did things go operation-wise, uh, logistics and, and rules and everything like that? What's your evaluation of, of the series so far? You know, so far, I think they're off to a pretty good start. Um, you know, Donnie Klotz and, and Richie Mercero and Jeff Fachasco, who are kind of the driving force behind it, um, they've all been around for a long time. They, they all understand how this works. Um, you know, Jeff and Rich worked or raced forever, and Donnie's promoted for a long time. So they all understand what it takes. Um, a touring series, I think, is new for all of them. But... I think they're all capable of doing it. And the good thing is they've got an open mind. So, and they've got some fresh ideas. Uh, you know, first of all, putting it on a streaming service for pay-per-view is great. You know, my wife and kid weren't able to make it, but they were able to sit here at home and, and watch it on the big screen. Um, so I think that's a really big step in the right direction. I think that's great. Yeah. Shout um, out, shout out to our friend, Michael McIntyre, by the way, with road trip productions, uh, for, for getting that done. So nice job, Michael. Yeah, that, that was great. Um, you know, I can't, I can't begin to even explain how big of a deal that, that can be. Um, so that's, that's big. I, I think they have some good ideas. Um, right now we're battling some extenuating circumstances with, you know, tire shortages and other things. And, you know, that's kind of really hurt us as far as consistency and what we're going to be racing on throughout the year. So I, I think that's hurt them a little bit, but that's, you know, none of their own fault. I mean, that's just kind of, the world we're living in this year um you know parts in general are just really hard so um I, operational wise organization wise i thought they did a, a really nice job and you know they're only going to continue to get better and learn and improve as they go along too so i have high hopes hopes for what they have going on there and um, we're going to continue to support them as much as we can so steve like zach said you know you pick up the inaugural win um does this mean you keep going back until they beat you I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> no, we were planning on going to all of the races. The, the only two question mark races on our schedule at the beginning of the year when they came out with it was New Paris and then uh, Anderson. But uh, it looks like we're going to make it to both of those. So we're going to make a full schedule of it. Um, we're going to definitely hit the two races at Berlin. You know, that's kind of my home track, I guess you'd say. Um, we love going to Bertrand and then Auto City. I've only ever been there once, but we won there. So I guess we got to go back. So. You know, it's um, it's it's funny how you leave a place leading the points, and all of a sudden you decide to go to the second event. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny how that works, isn't it? Um, <laughs> a lot of times we've always said we're not going to the first one just because of that. We didn't want to get locked in, but um, well, and it's no, a, it's a, it's a it. fairly easy schedule to uh, you know with about two races a month and then one in September to to wrap things up. Not not really too grueling of a calendar. No, but, you know, for the Outlaws in general, there's a pretty healthy schedule this year. Um, you know, we're going to still continue to run our, our the big races at Flat Rock. You know, the two, the 100 and the 150 at, at Flat Rock, we're going to run those. Um, Kalamazoo's got two clashes this year. They've got the COVID clash, and then they've got the actual clash in August. So 
we'll run both of those along with maybe one or two other nights there. Um, you know, Toledo's got the glass city at the end of the year. And I think they've got one other race in July that we may try to hit. So, you know, there's plenty of races for outlaw cars this year, which is awesome. Um, you know, we haven't had that kind of support in a long time. So pretty excited about it. Zach, I'd like to take a quick moment uh, out of this conversation to remind you of another exciting weekend uh, of racing uh, to returns to Southeast Michigan. Don't miss the vault 250, uh, 250 lap enduro race, plus the Arca figure eight street stocks and bandoleros at the flat rock speedway this Saturday, May 15th. Plus it's kids day. All kids under 12 are free. They also get a free hot dog and a soft drink. Grandstands open at 2. Racing begins at 4 p.m. once again at the Flat Rock Speedway. Then on Sunday, Zach, Toledo Speedway opens their gates for the first time this season with the Central Avenue Truck Parts School Bus Figure 8 featuring a special driver. Former NASCAR star Ken Schrader will jump in a school bus. That ought to be fun. Find out more about both of these events at flatrockspeedway.com or ToledoSpeedway.com. Yeah, and Rich, while you're talking about Toledo, let's not forget the HERS Potato Chips 200 with the Arca Menard Series coming up on May 22nd, so things are really rolling down there in Toledo. Steve, is it just, is it, uh, I mean, up, up up until you win coming out of the gate, but is it is it pretty fun to just be able to go racing where you want to go racing and just go after wins instead of worrying about uh, points in a championship somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, recent, recent weekly. And, and that is, is I, I understand there's, there's, it's perks to that and it, it's got, it's, uh, uh, there's, there's a place for that. And there's, there's a lot of people that love to do that. And I totally understand that. But for me, um, I like the challenge of doing something a little bit different every week. I like to change the scenery. Um, I like to race with different guys. Uh, I feel like it helps me, um, from a driver's aspect and from a, you know, I guess a setup person, you know, I learn a lot and I get to see a lot. And, um, I think it just helps me to be an overall better racer to be able to travel around and see different places and do different things. I asked rich about this. Um, I think I asked him earlier in the show or, or whatever. I asked him off air and I said, okay, outlaws are going to Anderson. What do you think? And he said, your guess is as good as mine. Um, what what are what is your thoughts headed to Anderson in the outlaw car? Well, how do you think this is going to play out? I haven't got a clue. Um, That's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. When uh, uh, the only time I've ever seen Anderson Speedway is one of my best friends was went to college at Anderson uh, University. And I went down there to visit him one weekend and we drove by to check out the figure eight track. And that was what, about 20 years ago almost. So. I, uh, yeah, I haven't, I, I don't know anything about Anderson other than watching some YouTube videos of Cody Swanson and Tyler Roark in the little 500. So, um, I really have no idea what to expect. It, it looks like it's pretty narrow. It looks like it's pretty fast. It could get a little exciting. It could get a little rough. I, I don't know. Is there anything to compare it to, uh, that you, that you have raced on at all? I, not that I can think of. Not because so it's so of. unique because um, it is it's a small track but it's high bank carrying a lot of speed um you know it, it's it's a pretty unique racetrack yeah that's that's kind of what i've gathered and uh, man i i don't know maybe take toledo and cut it in half and maybe you got something similar but maybe yeah man i don't know mm. <laughs> i don't know i i really don't know what to expect so steve i think green and steve- i yeah i think if you take a paper clip and lay it on your table in front of you that's about what you get to work with 
<laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it's like driving a bottle rocket in a pop can. So <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have fun, I guess. Well, and here's the other thing, too. As a competitor, you probably, aside from Tyler Roerig, can take some encouragement in that and know that you all are, are showing up not knowing exactly what to expect. Yeah, we're all going to be pretty pretty wet behind the ears on this one. Tyler's going to have a pretty big advantage from all of his experience in the sprint car there, but um, yeah, the rest of us, I think we're all going to be we're all going to be figuring it out on the fly. So they're, they're, that's fun, though. Well, Steve, so, oh, I, I go ahead, Rich. No, I, I was going to say, okay, so Anderson's on the schedule. We'll see you the end of the month uh, at Flat Rock for the Joy Fair Memorial 100. What else? What yes, What else coming up soon? Uh, if fans want to find out where you're racing at. We're going to take uh, the weekend of the 22nd off. Then we've got the, the Flat Rock, I believe you said it was the Joy Fair Memorial. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, Wednesday night, we've got the Money in the Bank at Berlin. Uh, so we're going to run that. And then I'm not 100% sure what's at right after that. I believe the Kalamazoo, their spring COVID clash is shortly after that Wednesday night at Berlin. So we're going to get pretty busy here pretty fast. So. Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, right, so the COVID clash actually coming up on Friday, June 4th, then the Money in the Bank on the 9th. Okay. Yep, and then uh, let's see here. The other clash, just to close out that conversation, is coming up. Uh, when is that? I'm looking on my calendar here. August 17th, Yeah, I believe. sometime in August, right? Yeah, the uh, 18th on the yep. Wednesday. 18th is the 2021 18th. clash. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of – and you mentioned it too, man, a lot of options for outlaw racing. Now, one last thing to ask you before we let you go. How about Corrigan Oil Speedway's Big 8? Um, we look for you there throughout the rest of the year? Yeah, we we might – I mean, I'd love to go support Tom and Tracy. You know, they're, they're really good people and um, – you know, if we can make it there, we'd love to make it there for a race or two. That's another place that I've never raced at before. So, oh, wow. Okay. Um, something, that, something that I'd like to try. Um, we really wanted to make it there for their opener, but we just weren't ready. You know, just too much going on right then. And i um, pretty disappointed we didn't get to make it, but that's part of it. But we're going to try to make it there for, for at least one, maybe two of their races throughout the year. All right. Well, Steve Needles, man, uh, hey, congratulations on a big win down at New Paris after an exciting uh, turn of events in 100 laps. Um, nice job with that. Good luck in your upcoming races. Anybody you'd like to thank for your, for your feature win? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got to thank, uh, obviously, my car owner, um, Brian Short. You know, he gives us, you know, phenomenal equipment. Um, my dad, who works his tail off in the shop every week, um, every night, basically. Um, you know, my wife and, and my kid, who put up with me not being home on the weeknights, you know, when I'm in the shop working and a lot of weeknight weekends as well. Uh, my mom, she puts a ton of effort into keeping the guys fed and that at the racetrack. So, uh, Matt and Chris Modulewski, who are my two crew guys, um, you know, we couldn't do it without those two guys. They're, they're incredible. And they're there almost every week. So, um, they're basically like family to us. So it, uh, yeah, a lot of people that make this thing happen. That's for sure. Well, Steve, nice work, man. Congratulations. Steve Needles picks up the inaugural win with Reveal the Hammer at New Paris Speedway, and you can catch him at uh, a, a track around here soon in an Outlaw Super Late Model. Steve, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Zach, now we have another gentleman with us uh, we got to spend a lot of time with over the years. First ran into him on the American Ethanol Tours. Uh, he picked up his second win of the season this weekend at Winston, makes his home in Lake City, Michigan. Eric Spangler, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thanks for having me. 
Man, Eric, uh, took you. We were out there at Winston at first couple events. Took you a couple events to kind of shake that twenty-seven machine down in twenty twenty-one. But the last couple of weeks, well, couple of wins. Uh, your confidence has got to be pretty high right now. Yeah, we're we're getting some we're getting some speed in the cars and getting them pretty sporty for the season. Now it's it's obviously not a bad time uh, for you to be winning prior to. Obviously, what we know coming up, the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series kicks off next weekend, and uh, that's pretty important to you as well. Yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to running that series again this year and um, doing better than we did in the past. <laughs> uh, now, let's talk about this uh, this beginning of the season. We understand, Eric, that, that maybe you uh, have a new chassis underneath of you for this year. What, what are you running this year? Yeah, we, we have a, a couple new chassis. Um, we, we have a, a new master build here that we um, put together down there with a tater there for me and a couple of my crew members. And then we have a new black diamond here that we went to Louisiana and spent a week down there with those folks, too. So Now, I know when I saw you at Attica, you had the black diamond out. What have you been running up here uh, specifically? What, what were you running at Winston these uh, last couple of wins? Well, the the last couple of wins that we've been in the master build, um, we had a we got that black diamond and we had some shock problems, and we had to send those back down to them folks. And we really haven't had that car back out since we got them back. We went and tested, oh, let's see, two Sundays ago um, with that black diamond after we got the shocks back and. And uh, me and one of my crew members, and we got it pretty sporty where we tested. So we're pretty confident when we bring that car back out. Now, when do you think you'll be, what's the what's the plan, I guess? Do you set cars for certain events? You know, we talked to Brandon Thurley a couple of weeks ago, and he kind of said, you know, the Longhorn's going to be for the big money shows, and I'll run the other one kind of here and there. Do you have a plan, or do you just kind of fall in whichever one you think is going to win? You know, I, I think that these cars, um, we were looking on them that I don't mind if we run either car probably anywhere so um we're going to be pretty confident in either one we run so this weekend we'll be coming back out in the master bill um for the first two challenge series races and then we'll be sporting that black diamond the following weekend so now eric i have to ask you with all the experience you've had over the years at merit speedway um you know one of the you know top drivers to ever turn a wheel at Merritt Speedway. Uh, what do you think about this new configuration? Does that help you or does that hurt you? Um, you know, the, the track has changed over the years that I've raced there, and um, I think the new configuration is going to be all right once we get it racy from top to bottom. I think Mike may have um, may have taken a little bit too much of the progressive banking out, and, and it might turn into a bottom dominant racetrack which i he may see that in the next few weeks and and he may you know have that um configuration changed a little bit so he gets a top and bottom racing but we'll have to see how it goes here if it's a bottom dominant racetrack and you race against the best around uh who does that help does that help you or, or do you think that helps somebody else no i i don't think it helps anybody and to tell you the truth i don't think it'll have um you know, there may be a few people that um, to be able to run on the outside and find enough speed up there with no with the banking being down, um, you know, and make some passing. But I think that a little more banking, a little more progressive banking in the corners there, Merritt is is going to come back to 
this season relatively quickly. Now, we know that, uh, you know, Mike wants to promote that good racing, and that's why we have these uh, late model challenge series events. But uh, this has kind of been the theme with the drivers that we've talked to from that area. Mike is really trying to put some big money up and even trying to work his way down the pay scale a little bit, pay a little bit through the field. Um, are you? Do you look at dollar figures? Are you excited about the schedule that he's got going there for both tracks? Oh, yeah. I think um, Blackmer is... Um with his increased pay and the payback has really helped out the late model racing, not only just in this state, but I think it's going to start bleeding over into other states where, you know, a good weekly purse and a good payback every week, which, you know, these late models are gotten so much more expensive than they were just five years ago. And, and lots of times the pay seems to get stagnant in at tracks and doesn't progress with what we're you know, what the cars were spending on them. So uh, I think it's a great thing. You know, this is a question that I don't get a chance to ask a lot of guys, but Rich brought it up first, and so I'll kind of piggyback on this. Your experience in late model racing is 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 really big. It's it's vast. Uh, you've been doing this for quite some time. Eric, how long have you been in late model racing, actually? Let's clarify that. Oh, boy, I think we got in it in 97, so... That's quite a few years. That's a while. 24, 25. Yeah. Now, yep. the technology has changed in these cars so much, as you said, in just the last five years, but it wasn't that long ago, what, 10 or 15, that these cars barely moved at all. They were very rugged, and now there's a lot of movement. There's aerodynamics. There's all of this going on. Um, are you – do you care about that? I mean, are you happy with where late model racing is, or yeah, is, is it too complicated? You you got to progress with the times and um, being an older driver like I am, you know, you have to learn what the new tricks are coming out if you want to keep up with the, the speed. And maybe as you get older, that takes a little bit longer to figure out or, you know, because you want to, when you're successful with the way you used to race, you know, you want to bleed that back in there, but um, you got to get away from that notion and, and embrace what they're doing now and, and work with it. And so that leads me into this question that I kind of had that I was sitting on for you. I don't think it was any secret that you have struggled, had struggled the last couple of years to find victory lane, maybe as much as people were used to. Um, do you attribute that to anything or, or is it just yeah, part of the way it yeah, goes? It, it is. It's trying to, in our team anyways, trying to blend what we used to do with what they do now. Mm -hmm. And they really don't blend together in my opinion. So, um, you know, we made a lot of effort on going to these chassis builders and spending, you know, we were down at Masterville about six days and down there at Black Diamond about seven days. And we worked with those people, you know, from the ground up on both these cars. And we all learned a lot by doing that. So I think it's going to pay dividends this summer when we're racing. So, And Eric, you know, I, I want to go back to the money thing because personally I like money. Um <laughs> Thirty-three thousand dollars, Mike. Uh, Mike is putting up for the Wood Tick and the Dan Soleil Memorial in August. Um, what did you think when you saw that? Because I think that's I think that's the biggest payout in Michigan ever, as far as I can remember. Yeah, I believe it's going to be the biggest payout, and um, you know that that race has kind of been around forever. Um, the Wood Tick and. Um, you know, it's a good start to it there with him. Um, you know, I think it's a 33 annual wood tick. So the 33,000, huge purse. Um, it's whoever wins that, it's, it's going to 
going to be a great night for them. And um, I think it's going to get some notoriety for the track and for the racers that participate there. And it doesn't stop there. Uh, you know, he also added some big paydays at the end, uh, you know, at the Battle by the Bay. It looks like the champion. And if you have a good weekend over there, you know, you can come up with it, go away with another $25,000. So it could be a, just running that series. If you, if you have a good season, uh, could be awfully profitable. Yeah, that, that series for for Austin, Michigan, you know, whatever, with 14 races or whatever it is, is just it's just um it's just really good for us racers and um it's good hard racing and uh, most of the time it's nice and clean and um you know, we can all put a little bit of money in our pocket and put on a great show. Well, speaking of uh, dirt late model racing, let's talk about this for uh, just a quick second here. Don't forget, late model challenge series is back Friday and Saturday, May 14th and 15th. This season, $13,000 is on the line to become a challenge series champion. The question, will the Ionia outlaw Travis Stemler become a repeat champion or someone else going to grab that top prize? It's the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series, supported by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort, kicking off this Friday, May 14th at Tri-City Motor Speedway for $5,000 to win, before going to Merritt Speedway Saturday night for another chance at five grand. Tickets are available at the gate with a green flag flying at 7.30 Friday night and 7 p.m. Saturday. The Late Model Challenge Series, the best in Michigan late model racing. And, of course, you can catch behind-the-scenes coverage right here on Horsepower Happening social media pages presented by Auto Value. So let's talk about Woodtick again. Uh, you are on that list as a three-time winner of the Woodtick race, but it's been a minute. Uh, we got to go back to 2013 to find your name on the list. Are you getting a little antsy, getting a little hungry for another one of those Woodtick races? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yep. You betcha. What is it like to win that wood tick? Is that, is that, I mean, with the history, you know, 1989, we're talking about drivers and, and Merritt Speedway fans will appreciate this, right? Frank Cedar uh, with eight wins, of course, uh, yourself there with three, um, you know, and then Dona has six and, and just so much history with this race. What does it mean to you to get those wins? You know, sometimes we've had races there, you know, we I think our first win there in the Wood Tick, there was 85, 85 lane models that wow. year, so it was a huge draw for a Michigan race, and, you know, there's a lot of prestige with that, and, yep, we're looking forward to running it. What What do you think, in your opinion, is it going to take to get back to those numbers? Is, is late model racing today capable of drawing those kind of numbers in our state? No, I don't think we'll ever get back to 85 because there's just too many, you know, too many tracks closer for people that are paying very good, too. You know, there's probably going to be, you know, that that might be the biggest paying race that weekend, but there'll be tons of races that are paying five to $15,000 all over the place, and the guy can do one or two of those in his home state. So it's going to draw a few people that want to come up and give it a try, but... You know, I think the, the number's going to increase 10, 15 cars, but uh, I think it's going to be a great show. Yeah, Eric, I th like you said, on the car numbers, I think last year for Woodtick, I think it was around 27 or 28 uh, cars. I, you know, I remember when we had some time on the ethanol tours together, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, wasn't hard to see 35 or 40 cars. That would be nice uh, if we could get 35 to 40 at the Woodtick here in 2021. Yeah, yeah, that that wouldn't be a bad number at all. You know, it's going to put some great heat races out there and some, you know, some uh, smaller Concy races. Um, 
to get into that wood tech. So it'll be a great show. Let's circle back to some of the racing here from uh, earlier in the year. Really some good late model racing across the state already. And we really haven't got to see Merritt and Tri-City in action yet, who we know puts on great shows. Winston and Thunderbird, let's talk to the nitty gritties about those races this past weekend. Man, you looked really good in both of those. And we'll start with Winston. Kind of had to be patient and, and work your way to the front. And what a power move to get up to the lead as well. Yeah, we had we were spot out on the setup there at Winston, and um, you know that car was good anywhere we wanted to put it. So um, it was a great momentum into the weekend. You betcha. And then Thunderbird, you know, looking at that race, that looked like a race that you had won. Had it not been for that one caution flag, I think you probably would have walked away with it. What changed after that caution? Well, you know, when, when the caution came, um, we did a we did a change to the car that um, both chassis companies we've talked about with, and um, you know, we it, it is a um, Thunderbird was an extremely smooth, slick racetrack like we're going to experience at uh, Tri City this weekend. Mm-hmm. So, and typically, so. You know, we tried something there that um, we're going to need to start doing towards um, Tri-City, and um, we were a little bit off on it, but um, we figured out where we went wrong so we can move for this weekend. That's a big thing, too, is just learning from what went wrong. So this weekend, Tri-City, Merritt Speedway, uh, again, we don't need to revisit it. We don't need to beat it to death. Ben struggles. How confident are you now moving into into this weekend? Yeah, I think we... uh, you know, we got a setup that's um, for you know almost all track conditions now, and some good information and data. So I think that we're going to we're going to have a very good year this year. And you know, Eric, you, you know, for, you, let's go talk back. Uh, you know, you back in the day, you were you were traveling a little bit, uh, didn't have a problem going on the road, uh, like we said with the ethanol tour. Um, Lately, you've been staying back home uh, so your fans can see it kind of close to home. Is that the plan again for 2021? Well, yeah, it is. I mean, we went out of state. We went to Attica, Ohio at the beginning of the year because they usually start before any of us. Which, remember, is a massive trip from Lake City, Michigan. So that's yeah, traveling yeah, for sure. It, yeah, it's a, it's a long ways, you know. But Dean over there at Winston, you know, he, he decided to start quite early for a Michigan racetrack, you know. And, and put on a uh, pretty good show, be, too. If they're going to be racing here in Michigan, we're going to support those racetracks, and um, and you know we're going to race locally. So um, you know we don't have to move out of state. You know there's going to be lots of racing here in Michigan and good racing. So. Let, let me ask you this, uh, and I'm asking as as almost as a fan to kind of get your insight here, talking about traveling and big money races. How about the way the Hell Tour is structured this year with Michigan kind of getting a a two-week split type of schedule? Um, Really, those last four races were kind of on an island by ourselves. Any opinions or thoughts on the way that that was done this year through Dirt Car? Oh, I think it's going to be great. You know, that's going to give two different chances for Michigan teams to participate in it. And, you know, maybe one team can work out the first first time they're here and the other you know some other teams can work out second and maybe some teams can do both you know so i think it's going to bring some different fans out you know and and help these racetracks out quite a bit this year 
Uh, Eric, I know it's uh, it's not free to put these cars out on the racetrack, and I I know you got uh, some very important people that help you out, and you have them on the side of that car. Uh, who helps you put that car out on the track every week? You know, I've uh, I've got some great sponsors, and um, I'd really like to thank them here. And I've got a list of the darn guys, and we're going to read them off. Um, Forbes Construction is back on for this year, as they were past. Uh, Senior Insurance and Solutions is on. Uh, Atkins Electric Fixed Trucking, A&L Training Post, um, Bad Ford out of Reed City, Goodman um, uh, Heating and Cooling Equipment, and then we have Atkins Electric. So they've really done well. Um, Randy Allen has came on this year to do the lettering on the car, and I appreciate all his help. All right. Well, Eric, we appreciate you making some time to join us this weekend. Eric Spangler, driver of that iconic number 27. You can catch him this weekend, Friday and Saturday, during the Late Model Challenge Series. Eric, good luck, and thanks for joining us. You betcha. You guys have a good night. All right. Well, our thanks to Steve Needles and Eric Spangler for joining us tonight. And, man, an exciting weekend of racing coming up this weekend, Rich. And we're going to start on the dirt tracks. I-96 Speedway has another big sprint car show coming up Friday night. It's the All-Star Circuit of Champions coming into town to take on I-96 Speedway. That should be a fantastic show. And then, Rich, I know uh, you've got, well, hold on, hold on, let me back up. Late Model Challenge Series racing on Friday as well from Tri-City as we kick off the season. Uh, trying to do it again. We know Mother Nature intervened a couple of weeks ago. She's not going to this weekend. So Late Model Challenge Series racing. And they've re-added B-modified slash IMCA modifieds to the schedule. So it's going to be full shows of, of auto racing this weekend for Late Model Challenge Series. Now, on to Saturday, Rich. Uh, we know that you're going to be back in action for another great weekend of racing over in Flat Rock. Yeah, last 4 p.m. start of the year, we're going to kick it. The You know, uh, had to go to the first three three weeks at 4 p.m. start, and boy, those look like smart decisions, Zach. It was cold each and every night, so and we were done by 6.30, quarter to 7 every night, so that was fantastic. But, yep, kids' night, uh, like we said earlier, Zach, 12 and under free, plus a free hot dog and a Pepsi. I don't think I can pass for 12 and under. But uh, we'll, I'll be there, uh, the Enduro 250, the Figure 8 Retro Night, Street Stocks, Bandoleros, all in action. Gates open at 2, racing at 4. Uh, so set, uh, that's where I'll be at Saturday. Gary's got to take the night off, so we'll uh, have some fun one more time by myself at Flat Rock. Late Model Challenge Series again Saturday from Merritt Speedway. If you're looking for a nice trip up to God's Country, that would be the place to be for some really good late model racing as well. And don't forget the reconfigured Merritt Speedway, so racing is going to be good from Merritt for the Late Model Challenge Series. Also on Saturday, and yes, I'm saying this correctly, also on Saturday, Kalamazoo Speedway is in action as they welcome in the Midwest Modified Tour Saturday. Now, they'll also be racing Friday. They'll do their regular show on Friday night. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think that Friday night's show may also include Outlaw Super Late Models. Hold on. Let me verify this. Um, KalamazooSpeedway.com. Thank you very much. As we take a look at what Gary Howe and the crew are doing, but Midwest Modified Tour on Saturday night from Kalamazoo Speedway. It'll also be a street stock special Saturday night from Kalamazoo. So it's a full weekend of racing over on the on the west side if you're looking for something to do over in that region. They've got you covered um, with two days' worth. So that's going on. And then also on Saturday, the Reveal the Hammer series gets right back into action as they go to Anderson Speedway um, for what is just going to be 
an amazing event. I can only imagine. Outlaw Super Late Models at Anderson. They're going to be moving and grooving, and uh, hopefully a pretty good show down there, too. Rich, any predictions? I don't know. They haven't. Outlaws haven't been there in many, many years, so uh, your guess is good as mine. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I love uh, I, I love Jack Landis's comment. You know, I'm 56, not 30, to take an outlaw late model to run at Anderson. That's about what it takes. Uh, you know, Steve Needles, Tyler Roerig, yeah, yeah, I think they'll be up front. Yeah. Um, We'll have to see who who else all shows up there, but uh, yeah, I think it'll be a good race there. By the way, Outlaw Super Late Models are on the schedule Friday night at Kalamazoo. Modified Nationals with the Midwest Mods. $1,000 to win street stocks are uh, also on the card for Saturday with $500 to win zoo stocks. So a really good program there Saturday in Kalamazoo. And then also coming up, it's a Sunday program from Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway, the Battle at the Port for Outlaw Super Late Models. You can catch Outlaw Super Late Models three nights in a row if you play your cards right, Rich. I'm just letting you know. Yeah, well, I can't play my cards right <laughs> like that. But but yeah, you could get you could get to, if you play your cards right, you can get Outlaws three nights in a row. But uh, also on Sunday, Zach, uh, if you're in for a little different type of entertainment uh, at the racetrack, we're going to open Toledo Speedway for the first time for the 2021 season. Uh, the school bus figure eight, Night of Destruction, um, Ken Schrader. We talked him into jumping in a school bus, so uh, these guys are going to try and see if they can turn him over on his lid. That would be pretty cool to see. <laughs> and uh, also the... Late model sportsman on a half mile, factory stocks on the quarter, and a boat figure eight. No, we aren't racing boats, Zach. We are racing race cars with boats on trailers in a figure eight. So uh, tickets are available online now at ToledoSpeedway.com. You can get them through 5 p.m. on Friday. Um, once at, That's what time the cutoff is. Then the ticket office reopens at 11.30 a.m. on Sunday. Uh, gates at 11.45 and racing it is an afternoon show so it'll be a nice afternoon at toledo on sunday afternoon 2 p.m start should also mention and we'll be able to talk about this next week on the 17th but uh, if you need to take some time off of work winchester speedway will be in action on tuesday may 18th for the flyover state 150 featuring the uh, arca cra super series um so uh there's other stuff going on as well but obviously arca cra super series is the premier division in that one. So Flyover State 150 on Tuesday, May 18th, coming up down in Winchester, and good luck to our friends from CRA for that one. And, and that's just kind of the top of the barrel. Of course, weekly racing still going to be available at several tracks across the state. Um, I know that uh, Crystal's hoping to get back in action. Speaking of Crystal, I almost forgot. They are planning on racing Wednesday night um, with the, uh, the new All-Star Series, uh, you'll have to forgive me here. This is uh, this is the brainchild of basically bringing that back Wednesday night racing for IMCA. Um, the IMCA Eastern All Stars will make their debut Wednesday night, May twelfth, at Crystal Motor Speedway, and uh, so you can see IMCA Modifieds, IMCA Stock Cars, Midwest Compacts, and Pro Stock Pro Trucks all scheduled to race on Wednesday. Pits open at 4 o'clock, gates open at 5, draw ends at 6.30, and racing promptly at 7 o'clock. If you need something to do on a Wednesday evening, you can check out Crystal Motor Speedway for that. And, uh, man, I can't believe I almost forgot about that. Yeah, Zach, it's getting that time of year now where we just can't cover every single race yeah. that's going on in Michigan <laughs> because 
you know, in the next week or so, everybody's going to be opening. Everybody's opened up. Everybody will be ready to go. And uh, we're going to do the best we can to let you know what's going on everywhere throughout the state and throughout the region. But uh, that, that's all it takes. Another week or two and everybody will be slinging dirt or or burning rubber. Yeah, and here's the thing. As we always say, we don't care where you go. We'd obviously love to see you at a racetrack near us, but no matter where you go to have some fun, get your backside, trackside, and catch a race. And uh, that's going to do it for tonight's show. So we're going to wrap things up on behalf of Scott Menlin, who pays the bills, Rich France, my co-host. I'm Zach Heiser. Thanking you so much for tuning in to Horsepower Happenings. And we'll talk next Monday night right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com and be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.